the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How could God really love me because I'm such a rotten person? You just have to forget about it. You just have to accept what God feels about you. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now let's continue our study in the book of Titus, chapter 3. Hey, we're picking up again in the study. This is part two. So we're going to be in Titus chapter 3, and I entitled this message, What Do You Live For? Yes, we need to look for those people that are downhearted. We need to reach out to those people that have, have guilt and shame for the things that they've done in the past. We need to let them know again that there is a God in heaven that loves them. And we know the message of Christ can reach anyone, right? No matter how horrible their life is or how great it might be at that moment. For life, whether it's good or bad, will one day end for everyone. And then we will all stand in the presence of God. I like what it says in Psalm 39, verse four. It says this, Lord, make me to know my end. I like that. Lord, let me know, let me understand that I'm gonna have an end one day. Don't let that completely leave my mind. I wanna know the extent of my days, he goes on to say. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in thy sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Now, it doesn't seem like that when you're young. Because when you're young, and I feel like when I was in the fifth grade, I'm gonna be here for 35 years. I will be in elementary school forever. And then junior high and high school just drag and drag and drag forever. And then you get out of high school and then you start working full time. And then all of a sudden, time just starts going by. You get married. Your wife starts popping out babies like Octomom. I mean, everything just starts happening. And then decades are going by. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, wow. You look in God's eyes. He says, your life is like a vapor. You're here one day and gone the next compared to eternity. Compared to eternity, we are like a vapor. So like it says at the end of verse one, we are to be obedient. We are to live for good deeds. We're simply to do what's right as Christians. Verse two says, don't malign. That just means or speak evil to no one, but rather be gentle, be considerate. Because every time you're rude to someone that's maybe rude to you, you can't take that back. It just, it is what it is. And you, whether you like it or not, as a Christian, you might be the only Bible that someone reads. So when you're a little nasty, when people are nasty to you, when you bite back, when they bite you, all of this stuff, and you're a Christian and they know it, you're like, well, you're just like them. Why would they ever want to be a Christian? Because you're just like them. There's nothing about you that is drawing them. So this is why we need to be gentle and considerate. Now, how can we do that, though, when we live amongst the people in Los Angeles here that are short-tempered? People around here are mean. They're nasty, okay? 
There are people that will talk behind our backs. Others that will talk right to our face and tell us how they feel. People will say cruel things to us. Some will mock us for being believers and laugh at us. Yet God wants us to love them. We are to rise above what their attitude is. Some Christians will not embrace this kind of love. They'll just say, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna do it. I don't get mad. I get even. And that's just the way some people are. Instead, they will hold deep-seated anger towards people that have hurt them. They will cling to unforgiveness instead of clinging to forgiveness. Even worse, some Christians will even get excited about the thought of those that have caused them much grief of frying in the pits of hell. (laughs) It's coming your way, buddy. Thinking, let them burn, let them burn, let them burn. And that's what they think. But that's why we're reminded of our past. He reminds us immediately now of our past. Because we can sit there and just like, oh, you know what? You're just going to be on a banana peel going to hell and whatever. You deserve what you get. But then he comes right back around and says in verse 3. Let's read it again. Verse 3 says, for we also... The apostle Paul's including himself in this. He says, for we also once were foolish ourselves. Remember? Remember how you used to be? Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Oh, I was like that. Oh boy, it's like, you know, on the outside, it looked all nice and but boy, could I hold a grudge. Oh, and it's just like, oh man, you want to get down and dirty? I'll get down and dirty. It's like all of those things. It's, it's who we were. He reminds us that we were just like them without Christ. Yes, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is our past. This is who we used to be. We were all sinners. And if you haven't done some of the things that other people have done to you, it's only because you haven't had the chance to do it yet, Okay. Understand, we are all, every one of us are capable of doing the most vile things. Believe me, given the right circumstances, given all the right temptations, every single one of us sitting here tonight would fail God miserably. Consider Adam and Eve in the most perfect setting that you could ever have. Where did they live? In the Garden of Eden. It's like Eden means paradise. They're running around butt naked and loving life. Everything is good. It's like God come down in the cool of the day and hang out with them. But they couldn't stand the temptation of the forbidden fruits. It's like there's one tree in here we can't have. Now, we're not told if it took 24 hours, 24 days, 24 years, or 240 years. We're not told how long it took. But there was just something about You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I just can't do that. One thing, not 10 commandments, one commandment. Don't eat of this one tree. And they just ate it. It went down. Do you think that you're better than Adam and Eve? See, with the right temptation, given enough time, you know, every one of us could fall to who knows what. You might say, I would never do this and I would never do that. Well, you never know. Yet just don't know. Yes, we've been foolish, the Bible says. We've, we've, we've had disobedience in our life. We've been deceived. We have fallen into certain lusts and pleasures. Every one of us have that have surrounded us. We have been envious of what others have had. We have allowed hate to dwell in our hearts. 
That's why we need to have compassion on those that do these very same things. Because if we didn't come to Christ, who knows where we'd be? I came to Christ 42 years ago. If I would have never came to Christ, I'd be dead now. I'm sure I would. I was such a wild man when I was younger. I was just nuts. I mean, it's like, I I can't even imagine being alive now. So I was doing all kinds of things. I had so much sin in my life. Imagine, because the Bible says foolishness is wrapped up in the heart of a child. So my parents were divorced and gone. I was living on my own at 16. No supervision. Not good for me. Okay, I was doing all kinds of stuff, stealing from my employer, partying like a wild man, driving crazy fast. I had the fastest and nicest car at my high school. It's just crazy stuff, motorcycles, doing wheelies down the street at 60 miles an hour, showing off. I just crazy stuff. I wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for Christ coming inside. So it's like, I understand this completely. This is why we need to, again, have compassion on people. The Bible says in 1 John four nineteen, he says, we love, why should we love these people? Because he first loved us. I didn't seek after God. I wasn't like, gee, I wish I could become a Christian because I'm such a bad boy. No, I love being bad. It was great. You just do whatever you want. You see it, you like it, you steal it. Okay, do whatever. It's like, I didn't care. But yet Christ came after me. I wasn't looking for him. I showed up at a guy's house to make my car go faster. And it's like his, his wife started ministering to me and preaching Jesus. I'm thinking, oh, geez, what a waste of time this is. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I got captivated. I got sucked in. And I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I just remember how God spoke to me as I sat there. And it was like, you were guilty. She says, it's going to be appointed for you to die. And God knows everything you've done. And you're going to stand before me. And I, I just remember, I knew two things were true that I was a dog and I was going to stand before God and I was going to be judged. I guess that's three things. I can't count too good. But anyway, you get the point. We love others who are in sin. Why? Because he first loved us. All God's asking us to do is love others the same way he loves us. Which brings up our second point, considering our present. Let's read what he says next, picking up in verse 4 of Titus 3. He says, but when the kindness of God, this is our present now, when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on a basis of deeds, which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. In fact, I just have to read it again. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of my deeds, which I did in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon me richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Have you ever wanted to know where you stand with someone? Hey, are we friends? Hey, are, you know, are, are we just an acquaintance? Is there something more to you? You know, it's when you, you want to know where you stand. Well, for all of those, you want to know where you stand in life as a Christian? You want to know where you stand in the eyes of God here tonight, right now? Well, here it is. Because the kindness of God, our Savior, came to this earth, Jesus Christ, the God-man, he came to die. Meaning, he took the penalty of our sin on his body, he saved us from judgment, he nailed our certificate of debt on the cross, and it had nothing to do with us. Has nothing to do with how wonderful you might think you are. 
He said in verse 5, not on the basis of our deeds, but simply his mercy. Again, mercy is not getting what you deserve, which again is judgment. Remember, God didn't just take away the judgment, but he also gave favor on top of it. See, it's not just like, oh, I'm taking the judgment away so you're not going to die. I'm taking the judgment away so you don't die, but I'm going to pour a boatload of just favor on top of you. He washed us by the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, follow this. This is almost worth taking notes on. That word regeneration comes from the Greek word palingensia. Palingensia. Now, palin means, uh, you know, uh, again. Palin means again. So palin gentia, gentia means, uh, you know, uh, again, like not, not uh, well, palin means again, but it means to be like born, like, uh, like starting fresh again. It means to, uh, you know, just start uh, a beginning like you were just born. So palin gentia means you're born again. It's again being born, palin gentia. It's you're starting fresh again. That's how we're regenerated. We are born again, like as if nothing happened before that. It's like what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three. Oh, how's it going, Jesus? You know, I've been watching you. You're like a really cool guy and man, no one can do the things that you do. And Jesus looks at him and says, you must be born again or you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You must, have, you must be palingensia. You must be again born. Once again, well, wait a second. How does that work? I'm an old man. Do I go back in my mother's womb and come out again? No, that's sick. You won't fit. It's not going to work. But you have to be born again in the spirit. You're born once naturally. You have, your spirit must be born again. God created the generation of man, Adam and Eve. They sinned in the Garden of Eden, which caused the entire generation of man, all of humanity, to be degenerated. The DNA of man was just, it was tainted at the very beginning. And that DNA through every man is tainted. And now for you and me, through the cross, the Holy Spirit indwells the heart of man to make us regenerated. Palingensia, born again, born from above, born anew. And God, because of his great love towards us, verse six says that he poured out his love on us richly, meaning he poured it on us abundantly, overflowing, you could say. Yes, that is where we stand with God today, loved overwhelmingly by the mercy of God. Which brings up our final point, knowing our future. Let's read what he says, picking up in verse seven. He says, so that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish and controversial and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man uh, after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning 
being self-condemned. So our future, it says, is wrapped up. Verse 7, because why? Because we're justified. The word justified, as you know, means we have been made now as if we've never sinned. Now, you know and I know that we've sinned. You and me both know that we've done things that are wrong, maybe even today, maybe even on the way here. But think about this for a moment. God has made us through the palingencia that he made us as if we've never sinned. So when God looks at us, he looks at us like through a veil of Jesus' blood that he shed for us. And as he sees us through the veil of Jesus' blood, he sees us as holy. He sees us through his grace, his unmerited favor. And if you're trying to figure out, but how could God really love me because I'm such a rotten person? You just have to forget about it. And you just have to go with it. You just have to accept what God feels about you, even though you don't feel that way about yourself. You have been born anew. You have been forgiven. You have been made as if you've never sinned. You are saved by the grace of God. This is a trustworthy statement, he says, meaning we can trust it. Why can we trust this statement? Because God said it. That's why. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. We have to trust it because God said it. And that's why we can trust our future in him. That's why, again, and I talk about this verse. I think I just used it this last Sunday. But talking again in 1 John 3.20, even when your own heart condemns you. Why would your own heart condemn you? Because you're guilty. Because you know you're a dog because you know you sinned, because you know you did the same thing that you said you wouldn't do again. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why your own heart would condemn you because you keep falling in the same pit you've been in before and you're like, oh, oh, I can't believe it. And you finally just get sick and tired of who? You. You get sick and tired of yourself and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just like, I'm a hypocrite. And yet God is saying, even when your own heart condemns you, I'm greater than your heart. Why? Because it's a trustworthy statement. He made you as if you never sinned, even though you still sin at times. So should we just go ahead and sin? God forbid. No. You keep the fight on. You keep battling. Every time you fall on your face and your face plant, you get back up and you ask for forgiveness and you move forward as if you're not going to sin again. And when you trip again, you get back up. Oh, God, make me stronger. And hopefully... As time goes by, you'll sin less and sin less and sin less. But we will never be sinless until we get to heaven and we get that new body. Because it will have a, it'll have a no sin nature. But while we're here, we're not going to be sinless. But we can sin less and sin less and sin less. And that's the mark of maturity for a true believer. But we have to go with what God said because he said it's true. And now, not only are we forgiven, not only are we born again, not only are we made as if we've never sinned, not only are we holy in his eyes, but we're also made heirs, heirs with him. It's the same thought 
We're joint heirs with him. It's the same thought that we're told in Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible, verse 16 says, the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're his children, if we're the sons and daughters of God, then we're joint heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, meaning you get to inherit all that God has. If indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So as being born again, we're joint heirs with Christ. It means that again, we are inheritors with him. Meaning you and me will co-share his kingdom with him. We will possess what he possesses. Not because we deserve it. Obviously, because we don't. Only because he's going to give it to us. That's why he says in verse eight, be careful to engage in good deeds. There's a reason. You know, some people have this attitude like, oh, I'm a Christian, you can't have any fun. I gotta stop doing that. I can't go clubbing. You know, it's like, you know, I can't do it anymore. Oh, I'm so bummed out. I can't go get wasted and get sick and, you know, you know all the, you know, it's like, like Really? God has so much for us. He's got purpose for each and every one of us in this life. And then he's going to share everything with us in the next life. Really? It's like, you're not going to believe what you're going to have on the other side. And all you're going to be thinking when you first see what he's got going on the other side. Oh, Lord, I wish I would have lived for you on this side. So trust me, he's told us. We're going to get there. Let's live for him on this side. Let's do good deeds. Let's live for him. He's saying God is going to share his kingdom. So let's do what he wants us to do. Let's walk the walk. Let's talk the talk. Let's live the life. And then he warns us to make the most of our time. Don't get caught up in unprofitable and worthless conversations. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll go in cycles People will come around, they'll start pumping Calvinism again. Oh, you know, there's only the elect that are saved. God has a limited salvation. There's only so many people that can be saved. And then there's other people, they're just there to roast. So there's people out there that doesn't matter. There's no way they could ever be saved. God's not going to save them. They're just there to burn in a pit of hell. They're just there to suffer for eternity. It's like hogwash. God came He died for the sin of all humanity. Now, granted, the Bible tells us the road to destruction is wide and there's gonna be many that go that way. And the road to life is narrow and there's gonna be few that find it. When he talks about the parable of the sower and the seed hitting the ground, only 25% of the seed actually grows into true seed, you know, and, and grows up in him. So we know that the majority of people are not gonna go to heaven, but it's not because God didn't die for them. It's because they are gonna choose by their own free will to not go to heaven. But I'm not going to get caught up in all these endless genealogies and conversations with people and argue because these people that are Calvinists many times, this Reformed theology, they will just go and all they do is sell the Reformed message. That's all they do. And they just go to Christians and their whole plot in life is to get you to think the way they think as a Christian. 
Why don't you let God decide who's going to heaven and who not? Instead of talking Christians into believing what you believe, why don't you go talk to people who don't know Christ so they could come to know him? And that's why he says, don't get caught up with these endless, unprofitable, and worthless conversations. We should reject those people that come around causing discord in the church. And that's what we do here. We spot them as soon as we see them. Hey, you're out of here. You have one opportunity, and that is you will never open your mouth about this in this church, or you can never come back. How about that? Because we're not going to allow that in this church. Because why? He says here, they're sinning before God. Then Paul ends the letter with some traveling plans, but we'll end with verse 14. And verse 14 says, and let our people also learn to engage in good deeds and uh, to meet pressing needs that they may not be unfruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be sharing his message. God wants us to be leading people to Christ. That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by an a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.